How's everybody doing? Yeah. Well, I am so glad y'all are here to join us. This is a this is an ex- this is a fun one for us. It's very unique, uh, very different. So, if you're new, your first time here, this is a what we call an ask it message. So, the whole it's just question and answer. Uh, we get to ask Bill and Dion questions and hear what they have to say. You can either text it in to that phone number down there, or raise your hand and ask, or or, or whatever. If you stump them, you get a free pumpkin. And um, I said that last night, and I thought it was funny, so I thought I'd do it again. Um, so I think Bill will buy the pumpkin. Is that right? No, I will buy the pumpkin. Um, anyway, pray with me if you don't mind. Heavenly, perfect, awesome Father, thank you for this time that we have this morning to, to sit still and to, to hear your word shared and, and our questions answered is as there is a lot of confusion and funny stuff, but there is a true, real God, and, and may we open our eyes and hearts for you to be revealed to us today. Thank you for the heart of Mr. Bill and Miss Dion as they, as they stand here and clearly and lovingly share the word of God as it applies to our questions. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Have fun. Well, you did really good. You know, I yeah, you really did. You know, I, I, I mean, tried really hard. Yeah, there it is. Thank I had you. a piece of paper with notes. I forgot to look. So <laughs> that didn't surprise me. <laughs> Dion. Hey. Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome. Uh, like Nick said, today is a fun day. It's always a fun day here at Crossroads, but today is uh, especially unique in that we get to uh, ask answer questions that you guys have submitted. Um, so we've had some great questions submitted that we get to talk about uh, this morning. And um, are you ready to roll? I- I'm ready. I'm going to start with a real easy one. Oh, a softball. Real softball. Softball. Throw it over here. Are you ready? <laughs> what does the church teach in regard to the theory of evolution? That's my softball. You know, one of the, 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 the church position is that we have a sovereign God who came from a totally different reality, a spiritual reality, and spoke into a void and created everything that we know as earth, life, planets, everything in this physical world that is controlled by the natural laws were created by God when he spoke them into existence. It was an instantaneous process over what they was a six days of creation. Uh, Very important that he says that every animal will reproduce after its own kind. There is no room for an evolving. There's adaptation within a species such as dogs all have the same DNA. Some of them end up these big hunking muff buffs and uh, some of these little things. Uh, All the same DNA, just like every human being, by the way. Every human being sitting here has the same DNA. Certain uh, traits are more prominent in others, but we have the capability of being all races because that that is inside of us. This prejudice stuff is a bunch of bogus. I'm not going to give it. That's not where we're going. What do we think of evolution? I... It is the most powerful, deceptive lie that has stolen generations 
of people in our country. And not only the sad part is evolution is taught in a science class, and the, the science of evolution is absolutely fake science. Science supports evolution wrong. The creationist model is supported by science. Sci you know, you have to, I could go on. Evolution, I say it all the time. Every natural, so many natural, spiritual, or physical laws have to be violated to have evolution work. The only thing that makes sense is creation. Now, was that clear? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God created Earth. There you go. Um, okay. So, but I would imagine that there's a lot of folks, you know, all of us, including myself, even, you know, and I grew up in a Christian school. We were still taught what evolution was. So yep. we've all, you know, kind of got an, the um, exposure. Our kids are being taught this. What, yeah. what Christian resources are there that we could maybe go to to help learn more about, you know, there's like AnswersInGenesis.org. Yep. Um, AnswersInGenesis, ICR, mm -hmm. uh, Creationist Research Institute, uh, CRI, right. .com, I think. All of those are just great sources. We have videos, everything. Case for a Creator. If you want a quick dip, Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel is in our library. It's online. It's free. It's somewhere around 35 minutes uh, to look at science that refutes. And it's done by an ex-atheist that came to Christ and partly because of the evidence of creationism. Right, right. So I think... You know, in all honesty, like for, for Christians, because, you know, we all know people who we love dearly, people that we come in contact with that very much have been taught and adhere to evolution as how we all came to be. That as Christians, in order for us to be able to have an educated conversation with them, um, I, we would encourage you guys, do the research, look at these resources, have it available so that when you are engaged in that conversation, we can have a loving, intellectual conversation with these folks so that, you know, help them understand. To add to that, just quickly, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian on the evidence of, of Christ and who he was and the supernatural nature of the Bible. I was an evolutionist. So I became, I immediately shifted focus that God used evolution to create the world. And then somebody, actually it was on a radio or a cassette tape. For those of you over or uh, under 30, a cassette <laughs> tape was a little white thing that you put in. But it was a, a PhD from Oklahoma and he gave science. And I went, I've been wrong. I've been lied to. And I, I could just get all fired yeah. up here and go back because this message is not about evolution creationism. But those things that they have in the high school textbook now supporting evolution have been our lies, have been proven to be lies, and have some of the evidences have been taken to court and thrown out because it is so bogus. And yet they're still teaching your kids across the street this lie. Why? They want to get rid of the creator. I'm thank you. Okay. Not that he has an opinion. <laughs> I, I've never been known to have an opinion. I know, I know. But it's it's actually it's it really is very exciting. There there's more information out there than I think most of us are aware of that will help bring us understanding and all of this. That's 
on the Christian side, biblical archaeology and everything. So it's fun stuff. Okay. See, I told you it was a softball. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> All right. This question was actually asked twice, so I'm, we'll, we'll address this one. Um, what does it mean and how do we pray without ceasing, as in stated in 1 Thessalonians 5.17? 5.17 is really a, it, it's a bunch of very short statements. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this God, is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this pray without ceasing is, is stuck in between two things, to rejoice always and God's in charge of everything. So uh, pray without ceasing. Everyone says, well, I can't walk around. Everything we do is a prayer. Every time I have a thought, it's a prayer that honors God or not. Every action I take is either doing that work for God or he's not even in the picture. As, as followers of Christ, we have to recognize that we have a sovereign God that rules all areas so that when we pray, we, our acts, our thoughts, our attitudes, our prejudices, our hopes, all our prayers. Now, is it super uber important? Uber or uger? Uber. Uber, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the grammarian here. Uh, to, to, to recognize it's so important to, to have that personal time when we stand before the creator of the cosmos and we bear our hearts and hear his hearts. It, that's abiding in Christ. It's absolutely necessary. And, and that is a very conscious prayer. There's bullet prayers during the day. There's those kind of recognitions. But everything we do, it's either, let's just leave it at that, it's a prayer. And so as, as long as we try and secularize some part of our life that's not connected with God, we open the door for temptation and failing. Pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. We're praying without ceasing right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's, I, I think the, the challenge is that often, and I think there's some conflicting um, information out there that it has also been taught that it's not okay to continuously like pray for one person um, or to continuously ask God for something over and over and over again. Um, what do you say to that? I say, if you've got a burden for someone, God already knows it. <laughs> so you, you, you can pray and, and keep doing that. Uh, but there's, there's a, again, let me just, there, it, all prayer is done in humility. And again, I, I'll make a wild statement. We are not God. We can't say this is the absolute way this thing should go down. We have to allow God to be God. Uh, Romans 11, I think starting somewhere in 32, we're going to be told clearly that God's ways are unsearchable, unknowable. He is speaking and moving behind the background of all of our lives simultaneously. So when we pray, we always pray with the humility that God is God and we are not. Um, Job got that lesson. Uh, in his life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. continue to pray how God leads you to pray. Guard our heart that it's not a, a selfish, manipulative, God, you do this and I'll do that, or if you don't do this, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all. 
from the pit. Right. Okay. If I had to encourage anyone to pick up a prayer, uh, God has consigned all the disobedience that he might have mercy on all of the depths of riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable is judgment, how inscrutable, unsearchable and inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of Christ? And here's in prayer. Who has been his counselor? Are you taking God aside and counseling him and, and letting him know what the right path is and how he can straighten his life out? Just asking. Uh, been his counselor. Who's given him a gift that he might repay? From, there it is. For from him, through him, to him are all things to him. Be glory forever. Amen. Don't stop. The next verse. Therefore, because of that, Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, okay, that's all true. Now, lay your life down. Change your mind to his mind. Just thank you. Thank you, Ty. <laughs> okay. I think I'm through. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> critics, always critics. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Another okay. Marine, too. Stabbed <laughs> in the back. Um, okay, so, and, and this actually was a question that came up twice. It's, it's a little bit, there's a couple of different things in it. The first part of it is explain the importance of baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit as Jesus did. Okay, uh, there's just some confusion about this. Uh, we have to understand that there, is, there are uh, three baptisms that are speaking of in the, talked about in the Bible. First is, is the baptism of the, in, into Christ. This is in, Ro, is in Romans 6 where it says, I've been baptized, baptismo, buried, buried into Christ and raised to a new life. That is, a, that is the spiritual reality of us being baptized according to uh, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We go down the old dirty rat dog and we're... <laughs> oh, sorry. Speaking for myself. <laughs> and raised to a new life in Christ. That spiritual baptism, that saves us. That, that removes us. We become a new creation at that point, that's baptism into Christ. Baptism into water, which is most people, too many people confuse as the act of being saved. It is not. It is a public demonstration and proclamation of what's happened to us spiritually. We do it in a physical way so our, all of our relatives and friends can see it and bring glory to God for our changed lives. Water baptism is a symbol. Now, there have been people... So I don't discount this, who went to a water baptism, and at that point they had a spiritual and a water baptism at the same time. Very possible. Not the best way to do it, but it, it's God. You know, who might call him on that? The third one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which some denominations, specifically charismatic and Pentecostal denominations, will say is a separate event that takes place where we are baptized into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you became a Christian, uh, 
if you went through a spiritual baptism, when you were raised, you had the Holy Spirit in you. Romans 8 will say anyone who doesn't have the Spirit is not a Christian. So it's an automatic given. When we come up in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is spoken of, for example, at the day of Pentecost. Jesus had already, you know, you know breathed the Spirit onto his disciples, and, but they were filled and started manifesting gifts. There's four other examples in the New Testament uh, in the book of Acts where people were, were followed Christ, and yet the apostles went and laid hands on them, and they would begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. Now, is that a common experience for all of us to, to have a separate experience with the Holy Spirit? No. Is it wrong? No. Why would those things happen? It was best for the moment and for those people. I've been through Pentecostalism and, and been in Pentecostal churches for years. I believe that that happens. I've seen the reality of it. But I'm not, gonna, I'm not calling God on what he does. So there's three uh, baptisms. Be aware of all of them. Uh, baptism into Christ is not optional. That makes you a Christian. Baptism into water is a public demonstration. Strongly encouraged. Baptism of the Spirit is each person seeking and asking God to fill you with whatever gifts he wants to fill you with. If you want people to pray with you and guide you and help you in discussion that, uh, come talk. We're, we're there. Okay. So, because um, one of the questions was, do you have to be baptized in order to be saved? And the answer is? The answer is? No. Baptism, baptized. <laughs> baptism into Christ. Thank you. Baptized so into Christ. The, as far as water baptism, baptism is concerned, I think, you know, for a Christ follower, you know, is it, if we were to consider, if somebody were saying they were a Christ follower, but they refused to be baptized, that's one issue. That, is, that would be a big issue. Baptized in water. In water. Yeah, okay. But then we have to stop and consider the thief on the cross. Yep. Next to Jesus, yep. Jesus said, you know, when he recognized him as Lord, and, he, and Jesus tells him, today you will be with me in paradise, he kind of didn't have time. Nope. <laughs> like, quick, throw some water on him, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's right. <laughs> but I mean, he, so the, the water baptism, like you said, is public proclamation yep. of the decision that has been made. If you die before you're baptized, but you are baptized into Christ, you will still get to go to heaven. Absolutely. Okay. Now, now can, I, can I go please. one more on that? Now, there are churches that say, if you are not baptized in our church, you're not baptized, period, and it doesn't count. Flee those churches. Just flee. Just get up and go. And uh, that's just a control issue on their part that that they are far superior to anything and anyone else. So uh, beware of people using baptism as a tool to manipulate. It becomes a work then if that's the case that'll save you in that church. Right, right. Wh how if that's God calling, I'll take the call. I, I heard the <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> so, and so how do we encourage parents who want to baptize their infants? Um, in hopes that that will cover them if something were to happen as a child? Well, what we do. We, we dedicate. We, when, mm -hmm. when we don't baptize kids because it's a free will decision to accept Christ. We will often, parents will come up with their little cute little babies and they'll hand them to the old bald guy or to Dion <laughs> and 
and they'll ask for a blessing upon them. We will, we will encourage parents. It's not a, it doesn't change the child, but it's a commitment of those parents to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and, and uh, to raise him up in the way of Christ. And so it's a commitment of parents, not kids. You can't baptize. You, it, it's, it doesn't, you know, there's nothing immoral or wrong about baptizing a child. It just doesn't have the effect of that free will choice of dying in Christ and being raised mm -hmm. again by the child. Okay. Um, and so to kind of put in there, we've had a few questions about baptism here. Yeah. So we're waiting for a pool. They close the pool. We used to drown people, uh, baptize people. Uh, <laughs> Over there, many people here have, have had the privilege and honor of going through that. We, that what a celebration. Uh, with the COVID thing, the closing of the pool because of some restrictions over there, they've chosen to close it. We're, we're, getting, we're looking to buy a, a, a dipper dunker uh, tank to put out on the patio, have a barbecue, have a celebration, and have that here. We're, I'm, I'm totally at fault for not having it here before. I'm waiting for it to get really cold so they're really sincere about being baptized. Right, yeah, it's easy to get baptized in July. <laughs> it's a thousand degrees out and you're like, quick. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're gonna get a jacuzzi, okay? I'm just saying. We need, a, we need a four foot pool, somewhere like eight foot round. I found one. You have one? I found one. Woo! Mama can shop, so, all right. So, yes, be looking for that. We're, we're working on it. We are yep. working on it. So, okay, very, very When, when cool. your thermometer hits 30 some morning, <laughs> that's the day we're of baptism. I'm just there. letting you know. That's we're going to be out there with the polar the bear club. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, hang on here. Let's see. Okay. Um, you talked about a little bit about uh, free will and God's will and, and will and all of that stuff, and, and God gives us free will. Um, expand on free will and, and how it relates to the fact that in Exodus, and this is fun because we're going through that in our Bible study, how God hardened Pharaoh's heart in regard to the release of the Israelites. Did Pharaoh have a choice if God hardened his heart? Did God have a, or did Pharaoh have a choice? Yes. Uh, God hardened his heart to make him an example to us. Uh, you see, one of the things about God, God knows who's going to accept Christ, and God knows every decision I am ever going to make, and God knows every decision you're going to make. Some people sitting here, a lot of people in the world, and Pharaoh was one of those that the path before him was dark, dark rebellion against the living God. So God, knowing what was going to happen in the future, he became the example of a hardened heart. And, but the result of it was God did not give up on him, if you will, but he continued to use him as a stubborn sinner to show his glory and, and deliver his people from his control. He, got, he resisted God all the way until God continued to crank up the pressure. He didn't become a, didn't become a, a God follower at the end. He just said, God's bigger than I am. Let him go. 
I don't want any more plagues or curses. I got to go bury my son, which is what happened. It became personal. Because yep. up to that point, because our Bible study is going through that, and we're in chapters 9, 10, where it's up to that point now where even Pharaoh's um, leaders are like, dude, let them go. We're tired of suffering because of your hard heart. <laughs> but as long as it you know, wasn't affecting him, he was okay. And then when it became personal, it was a much different deal. But Ooh. we all know, I, I mean, to me, it's like the whole situation is so terribly applicable. We all know, I think we probably all know a person. I know I've interacted with people who they were so deeply rooted in pride that the more God demonstrated his grace and his power in their life, the, dig, the deeper they dug in their pride, yep. even when they knew they were wrong and they didn't care that they were hurting others around them. It just was like battle royale. I am not giving in. Yep. And, and that's, that's rough. So it's like, did God harden his heart? Well, Isaiah, your, uh, Isaiah 6 that you quote? Yep. Yeah, Isaiah 6, Isaiah is sent out to give a message to the people and about God, and, and God says to Isaiah, here's your message. You go harden their hearts, seeing they will not see, hearing they will not hear. In other words, that, that, that time in Israel was given over. And oh, by the way, just to, to bring it up to date in the United States in 2021 and in the world in 2021, there is a dude uh, that's living, I think, today called the Antichrist. Pharaoh is his type. The world and, and many of the plagues and curses that took place in Exodus uh, when the people of Israel were coming out is exactly what's going to happen in the end times during the book of Revelation. And the Antichrist, all of his, all of his followers will continue to harden their hearts. I talked to someone today back on the, on the, on the uh, concrete, and we were talking about that, and I started to say, uh, you know, that they're going to harden their hearts and this all, and they finished it out. And they said, yeah, absolutely. And they hid, even though rocks were, they hid under rocks to get away from God's wrath, but they did not repent. We're in that, coming into that situation in a world. And to be honest, to, to, to pull every political string in the room right now, our country is at a point. If you don't think we're hardened, you better look around. We talked about it last week. We're coming to that place where God is continuing to bring curses, pandemics, and junk upon us that we might repent and turn back. And our political leaders are not listening. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd throw mm -hmm. that out just mm -hmm. to please everyone here, Democrat <laughs> or Republican or Independent. There you go. We are, we are feeling it. Um, but to kind of personalize this too, because we've got two questions that are somewhat similar. Um, when it comes to biblical Christianity, what does a biblical Christian look like and the best method to begin that journey? When we're talking about true healing, forgiveness, so that our hearts are not bitter and hardened. I think it's easy to look at Pharaoh or to look at that situation and isolate it because it's an extreme. But even as Christ followers, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We're not impervious to sin and pride and becoming hardened. I'm glad you, she used the phrase, and we use it around here an awful lot, and it's very important that each person please understand the term biblical Christian versus unbiblical Christian. 
I'm not talking about an atheist. I'm not talking about those guys out there, that small percentage. What I'm, what I'm really talking about is biblical Christians and those people who think they are Christians and who are not Christians. That's the danger in our world today, uh, is the deception. And we'll actually t deal with it last week. We dealt with it uh, last week. We'll deal with it next week. A biblical Christian is someone whose heart and will has been broken by the love of God, demonstrated on the cross of Christ. A biblical Christian has recognized the depth of our sin and our depravity and has come to know that our only hope is literally the Son of God, a human man, descended God from heaven, coming down, who hung and died on a cross for our sins individually and personally. It is God so loved the world but Christ died for each sin individually. When we stand, I, I talked about the Sunday school class, I talk about all that. When we stand before the cross of Christ, it is not the world we're seeing. It's his eyes on our eyes. His death for our sin. It's personal, it's immediate, and it's transformative once we accept it as truth. We cannot look at that and not wait, walk away broken, humble, in love with the God to the point of sacrificing everything we have for him. That's biblical Christianity. We walk away saying, God, you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? Unbiblical Christianity is exactly the same thing. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. We stand before the cross. We recognize the reality that Christ died for us. We just don't see the impact. We say, I'll take that forgiveness thanks much, I'm going to go live my life. A biblical Christian lays his life down at the cross. A non-biblical Christian takes his life and walks away with it, looking for God to bring life enhancement to him because of a proclamation or an idea that he knows. That was me before I became a biblical Christian. I was an unbiblical Christian. And I would say probably so were 90-some percent of the people sitting in this room today. We walked in deception until we were brokenhearted by the cross of Christ. And our danger is not the devil that's destroying our country. I want to go back to the comment on political leaders. Almost without exception, they all claim to be followers of Christ. But they don't follow him. Our laws prove that. The result in our nation proves that. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, that being said, uh, is is there a method? How would you encourage somebody? You, you know, you kind of partly did that. We stand before the cross, understanding you know what God has done for us. Is there a method, so to speak, or the best way to get to that point where we're experiencing, not only are we experiencing true healing and forgiveness, I think it's hard to tell. I'm assuming that it says so that our hearts are not bitter and hardened. So maybe us being able to extend forgiveness so we're not hardened towards other people. Well, uh... Okay, let's, let's back into this. Let, 
I got a, you know, trucks back up. They got this beep, beep, beep. Uh, let's beep, beep, beep for a second. Uh, this, the, the end of that question is so that you're not bitter against other people. You're not, we are not going to do anything until we become a follower of Christ. We're not going to forgive anybody. We're not going to break any drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, uh, swearing, uh, judgmental racism. We're not going to break anything in our lives and, and get rid of any sin until we're set free in Christ. Until we're set free in Christ, we're giving next week's message, so you, but you still got to be here. Uh, we start out in life controlled by the devil. We walk according to the course of this world, the prince of the power that's now working in the sons of disobedience. We, we're controlled by him. We all walk in that. Uh, then we have to come to a place where Jesus Christ transfers dominion of darkness to the dominion of light. We have to die. We're born again, new life. Then we can transfer. How do you talk to people about getting them to that point? Individual and personal. The key that opened the door to my looking for and accepting it was the intellectual evidence and support for the truth. Some other people have to hit an absolute rock bottom to turn around and say, I don't know what I should do, but I know what I'm doing doesn't work. And pain can drive them to the cross. Some people can watch someone, maybe some of you, as you live out Christ in your life, they're going to go, I want what they've got. Some people look at nature. They look at creation. He gives that us a thing. And they go, this is no act. Hold a baby. Hold a baby. This is the, the beginning of, uh, you were dead in your sins, you trespassed, you walked according to the, the spirit that's now worked in the sons of disobedience, to whom we also lived uh, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest. Two words, but God being rich in his mercy with, his, with which he loved us. So by grace we've been saved. It's that transition, and I'm going to sit back down again or I'll get preaching. <laughs> uh, I, and again, without a doubt, because we live in 2021, 20, many people here are standing and seeing the cross are being held back here. Whatever it is, Identify it, get rid of it. Humble up. Recognize our sin. Don't let anything stand between you and the cross of Christ and it transform lives. If we can help exactly why we're here, no other reason than to, than to help sinners like myself and like Dion. She, you can say it, just, it's okay. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Harry uh, will agree. <laughs> <laughs> to come to know Christ why we're here. So yeah. I don't know if that, I, I don't, again, I, every, there's so many things, Satan's got so many ways of separating us from the cross of Christ and a true transformation of life. Whatever's holding you back, if you can't figure it out, come talk to us. Right. So on the one, on the one end of it, we can't do anything until we are truly saved. We're, we're humbled before Christ and, and yep. we're given our lives to him. Only then do we have the power to forgive others. Because I think, you know, like you say, we all want to be forgiven. And we're good when we're forgiven. But then now, according to Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, we're commanded to forgive other people. It's not an option. But a lot of times we struggle with the fact people have hurt us. 
you know, th things have gone wrong and we kind of have that justice seeking mentality. We want them to ask us for forgiveness or we start getting a little bit hard or bitter towards them and, you know, knowing that we have to forgive. But Jesus makes it very clear. He says, if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't know about you, that's pretty clear and a little on the terrifying side. <laughs> so we don't have an option to harbor unforgiveness. Yep. It's not going to be easy. I will tell you that. It is probably one of the hardest things to do in the sense of, and this actually was, I'm going to pull in a kind of a statement question that was last from last night too. People struggle with forgiveness so much because what we want, what we're looking for is a feeling of relief from the pain. And we feel like if we've forgiven somebody, but we're still struggling with, I think, how did I say, <laughs> we still don't like them, um, <laughs> that we've been unsuccessful. And that's not necessarily true. That's right. It has, it has to happen. Can I add one point yeah. to that? One of, the, one of the aha moments what a sick person like I really enjoys doing <laughs> is when a couple comes in and they're pondering divorce, or one of them comes in and they're pondering divorce, I said, that's fine, but you have to forgive them and you have to live like you have. And they look like they're gut shot. <laughs> and it, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Not forgiving is, separates us from Christ. We don't have his heart. So you can get a divorce, but you're going to have to forgive them. Why don't you forgive now and save the lawyer fees? Right. Um, you see what a tender, kind-hearted counselor I am. Just not a very throw that. Yeah, up. very compassionate. Very <laughs> compassionate. Uh, that's all. That and but that's good though because part of the part of the challenge is and so the beginning going back to the beginning of the question, the person asked if there was a method. So I'm going to present a method because if I don't know about you guys, I'm a very structured based person. I need the list that says one, two, three, do this in this order, and you'll be good to go please don't let me be on my own because I will spin circles until I make myself and everyone around me insane. Just before Jesus in Matthew 6 says, forgive others so that God will forgive you, he also talks about loving our enemies. He says, you've heard it was said, you know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He says, but I say unto you, love your neighbor. What does that look like? Because sometimes I think we stop at the well, I'll love them, but I don't have to like them, and I don't have to do, you know, so we start making excuses. However, in Luke, in chapter 6, he says, what I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, to the person who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other as well. You know, and he, he goes on, you know, give to everyone who asks, do not ask for your possessions back. Treat, treat others the same way that you would want them to treat you. That's the method. And so I think, at least for me, getting over that feeling, uh, looking for the feeling of relief, getting over the feelings of, you know, it's hard to forgive or I don't feel like I've forgiven. Jesus makes it perfectly clear. Love there in enemies, that's agape. And agape is an, a demonstrated love. And he says, do good to them bless them. Don't just pray for them, but maybe, you know, like you said, we don't have to hang out with them and have coffee and be BFFs, but do what's good for them. You are what so they cool need. to throw those little initials out. Be 
Oh, best friends forever. Okay, BFFs. okay. That's, that's, thank you. Old dudes. Old dude. Sorry. <laughs> okay, everyone else knew what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> Homies. I don't know. What do they say now? I don't even know. <laughs> So, I mean, but anyway, so yeah, it's, it, sometimes it's just, we have to kind of step out of our comfort zone and do good things for people. It's what's good for them that will help bring them to Christ is really the point. So that's a method of helping that. Thanks for letting me harass you. I, you know what? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see. What else do we have? Um, okay. There we go. Out of all the historical documentation and letters of testimony, how was it decided which ones would become the Bible that we have today? Okay. They're, they're talking about creating, the, they call it the canon. What, what's in the Old Testament? What's in the New Testament? How was it selected? And, and what brought it about? And, and so many arguments come up. Well, they selected books that this, that at that time, that thing was going on. And uh, what is it? The Council of Nicaea that did that? I'm looking at Brian back there to embarrass him in front of everybody. He's bald. He's not nodding his head. Uh, but <laughs> they, they all got together later on in the process, 350 years, I think, after the actual Christ's death. But remember at this time, this was not new data to him. Paul's letters were treasured from the beginning as inspired words. The, le- the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, and John, these were inspired, and everyone knew they were inspired. People died to get copies of them. This, they knew that was Scripture. At, and so the canon became a, uh, a, 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 a true spiritual reality that God put his imprint on these particular books, and it was recognized by everybody. Uh, the council that got together and said, this is it, were just formalizing what was there. And and getting rid of a lot of the false stuff that were beating at the door trying to get in that came uh, later. Remember, by this time, there were hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts floating around of the original writings that were carefully copied. So uh, it was a reality that was there. Same thing with the Old Testament. It isn't a matter of at some point down the road, this was the, this was the Jewish uh, Bible that was established and copied diligently by scribes uh, and passed on copy to copy. The, their, the diligence that they had in making those things accurate are incredible. Uh, yeah, I could go on, but the, the real question to me eventually turned out to be if God could arrange billions of bits of DNA in me, there's many less letters in the Bible than the DNA in me and you. And he's got it perfect here. I think I'm going to trust him with the Bible. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if that answered it or not. <clears throat> yeah. What, what other resources, and again, I think sometimes with some of this goes back to some of the resources. What, is there a resource that you would recommend to help educate more on how this, on all of that? Yeah, we have a, pam- a pamphlet in the back, uh, or given out over here. It's, it's a book out of A Ready Defense by Josh McDowell which talks about the Bible, 66 books, uh, 40 authors, 60, you know, uh, 1,500 years, three languages, three continents, most controversial subjects. We have the number of manuscripts that we have for 23,000 in the first 100 years. We have such solid evidence. You have any doubt. Matter of fact, you should have one in your inventory. If you are totally convinced, read it over, nod your head and say, I knew that and then carry it with you of someone and have a resource to give other people. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in that. 
Okay, um, another direction. What is anointing oil and what is it used for? Anointing. <laughs> Not frying chicken. No. Well, uh, no. <laughs> didn't do much for the chicken. Uh, <laughs> anointing oil, it has been traditional in, in the Old Testament and New Testament that the anointing of oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it, it was used for healing, and it was used for purifying uh, the oil. Uh, we, we talk about a pouring down, you know, uh, it, it, I think it's Psalms 23, it's talking about the oil. It's, it's an anointing thing. It's something that we pass on. The Holy Spirit is the anointing of the Holy Spirit is a representation of, if you will, uh, the oil that's talked about in the New and Old Testament. So uh, anointing oil, uh, there's, I, I have one. I've got a, a little bottle that, uh, that came from, someone gave me that came from Israel, uh, crushed with Israeli olives uh, that is, is used for anointing. And uh, some people will request that. Uh, some people just say, you know, that we, we've kind of gotten away from it. There's nothing wrong with anointing with oil. Uh, and, and laying hands on and praying for people. Very biblical, very background. We, we have somehow got away from that. Are we wrong in doing that? I don't, I don't know, to, to be honest with you. If I, I've used it. Uh, people sometimes request it. It's kind of one of those lead deals. But that's the anointing in oil. And uh, very specific in the Old Testament of how it was put together and used. Uh, New Testament, uh, also mentioned several times. So, I, yeah, and in the Old Testament, didn't um, God say that it was not to be used for any other purpose right. because of that the the recipe, I guess, so to speak, of what He wanted in it was not to be used for anything other than that. Because yeah. it does smell good. I mean, it. Yeah. You'd almost want to like <laughs> a little perfume on. Yeah. You can't I done do that. that. Yeah, no, no, that you can't do that. So. But again, I, I, I really want to go back, and it's, this is the anointing, in my opinion, was the anointing that fell at Pentecost. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints each of us. So it, the oil is only a representation of the reality that took place at Pentecost, and it takes place every time you pray for someone. Uh, in, in, in Scripture, you... The Holy Spirit is praying through you, and and okay, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Yeah, and there's the one twenty third Psalm. Uh, this is David at the end of it. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my. You anoint my head with oil. Uh, again, by the way, it's used for healing also in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. but just a little. And Jesus, before he was crucified, the woman with the alabaster flask was at the same same thing that he she anointed him because he would not be able to um, for his burial yeah cool. cool okay all right uh, we got a few minutes left I'm going to tie two questions together <laughs> here comes another softball <laughs> um, I'm going to tie two questions together uh, considering the state of the world today I mean I think we're obviously all aware of that the question is is are there angels working overtime doing due to what's going on in the world today? 
and in your opinion, how do you think God will judge big tech of our country? <laughs> Angels working overtime. The word angel just means God's messenger. Uh, God sends them out. Uh, so that's, that's a reality that we live in. Uh, is, are they working overtime? I think they've always been working overtime. Uh, is there a spiritual battle going on over everyone here in everyone's home here? Absolutely. Are there good angels and bad angels? All that's true uh, taking place. Are there real demons? Yes, there are. Uh, can they possess someone that doesn't know Christ? Yes, they can. Uh, so that spiritual war is a reality. Please look at our country. We talked about it last week. Go to uh, Deuteronomy 30 where it says, blessings if you follow me, curses if you don't. That's a spiritual war we're involved in. Uh, spiritual war uh, in and around us constantly. We talked about it in our Sunday school class for several weeks now, trying to work through it. And there was one other question in there that... Uh, big tech. Big tech. Uh, very, very simple, and please take this the right way and, and do it. Jesus was clear. You will know them by their fruit. I don't know what part of big tech you're being involved with or I'm being involved with. I don't care if it's on a phone. I don't care if it's on a computer. I don't care if it's on the I don't care where it comes from. You look at the fruit. If you are being corrupted, moving away from Christ, then big tech is part of it. Flee immorality. Turn them off. Get rid of your phone subscription if that's what you're doing. If I don't care if it's hate speech coming through that particular big tech item that's there. I don't care if it's pornography that's coming through it. I don't even care if it's feel-good, lollygagging, false Christianity that's coming through it, which is very present today and very prevalent today. Get rid of it. Big tech is big stuff. Controls so many billions of lives around this world. So uh, will they be judged by it? Absolutely. Every, all sin will be judged. And big tech is no different than little tech. And that little tech that we carry around, that's little tech. We'll, and we'll be judged by how we use it. And if we open ourselves up to it and let us pollute it, uh, pollute us, our families, parents, guard your kids. Oh, for Pete's sake. You know, they get phones and... We don't put guards on them. We have computers in the house, and we don't put guards on them. This is a sewer tube running into your kid's heart. Same thing with the TV. I don't know. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I was strong enough. I was okay. Good. <laughs> Do you want to add yeah. to that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I mean, it's it's actually kind of interesting. The and I'll, I'll use the word evolution of um, technology has been different. I was watching a news program the other day, and it was a it was a 25 year look back. And so 25 years ago, and it was an interview. They were just showing snippets of interviews. One was with um, Bezos from Amazon. Yep. One was with uh, Steve Jobs, 
from Apple. And, and it was weird because you could kind of tell that because it was in the infancy of the technology, there was an excitement there of how it was going to, I think, benefit the life of the average American. You know, they were looking at it as a positive thing, that this is just going to improve our lives and it's all wonderful. And then you look at it 25 years later and it's like, hmm, yep. it kind of took a turn that they probably weren't expecting. And I mean, I can't say that they did or didn't plan on taking over the world, but you know, it's it's kind of like that has that's where it, it ended up. And so I think, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's technology or anything else, we just have to be very, very careful and discerning about anything that we get sure. involved with, even if it's in its infancy stages, because it can easily turn. You were talking about false doctrine, false religion, same thing. A lot of those guys probably didn't start out going, let's see, how can I be a false preacher in the church? <laughs> yeah. It just, their hearts probably, you know, somewhere along the way, something happened. We don't know what, but that's kind of what happens. One can of the happen. things, again, don't, 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 I'm not against tech. I don't know how to use a lot of it. Unless I'm the not against goes tech. out. Uh, uh, the Bible, the, the, the messages that I write really come from a foundation. They flow out of a lot of technology. Uh, being able to instantly look up the Greek for a certain word or Hebrew for a certain word. Look at the historical background from good godly sources. So tech is not bad, but I've got a thing called, I think, a literal word on my phone where I can just hit it. It'll show the Greek word. It'll show all this. It's instantaneous. It's ready. I love technology, and I use it in God's purpose and God's kingdom. But that's a very small percentage of it. And I want to go back to the thing, because I said something last night that uh, you're talking about pastors and things like that. Last night I, I, I gave a warning that so many pastors don't know Christ in our country. And, and, and that's just statistically true. Uh, there are some very godly pastors, and it's just like there's godly followers of Christ uh, be discerning. And by the way, and I, I, I thought about that last night when you wake up and you kind of get tweaked. I want to ask something from you. This is a question to you. you I've been doing questions. The question is, uh, I guess, or maybe a statement. If you see Crossroads Community Church and myself specifically ever wandering from true doctrine as put out in the scripture, you come tell us. If we don't respond correctly, flee. Go somewhere else. We are walking into dangerous spiritual waters, and this church, like any other church, we are not above Satan's deceiving influences coming in and touching and changing doctrine that we might give. We are striving to be as, as biblical and honest and, and truthful in Christ as we can. Your part of helping us hear God's call accurately. If you see deviations, please let us know. I prefer you don't stand up in the middle of the <laughs> service and rip your robe and run out throwing <laughs> dust in the air. <laughs> Ashes, which we have plenty of now. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess and maybe that's a good way to, to come back and you, you ask questions, we want to answer your questions. It's absolutely important. But you see, there's no separation between Dion and myself and any and every, every the elders and everyone. We're just, we're struggling sinners going from point A to point B, forgiven by the grace of God. 
just like you. And get your, get your guard on in this church, in each tech, every place that you can go. Uh, guard yourself. Guard yourself. Uh, I don't know if that's a good way to end I that think it is. up note. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it is. I think okay. it's an appropriate way to finish our time. So just so that you guys know, if any of you have submitted a question that we didn't have a chance to answer today, or you continue to have questions, please continue to text them in, email them in. Um, you can do that on our website, and we'll continue to collect them. Yeah, it's not that they will go unanswered. We will just do it at a later time. But our new series on the fruit of the Spirit starts next weekend. We get to kick it off with... Uh, a message on self-control nothing any of us deal with <laughs> oh boo hiss i know right um and i think that's all we have so okay, we one more thing before you close in prayer mm -hmm. now her comments about self-control they don't apply to the donuts as you go out they're from preston they're very good they're very good uh-huh uh, want to close this please yes now that yes I... let's pray <laughs> lord thank you so much um just for the fact that you are a God that welcomes questions, and you will never withhold your wisdom or answers to those who are truly seeking your wisdom, Lord. Um, thank you for the privilege of that, and that we can be here in freedom and safety to, to hear your word and to learn what it means to be a Christ follower. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.